Hello and welcome to Stories Told by Friends. And we, after Al and I had finished teaching on uh, the Thursday, we'd pile in the car and drive to Fort Capella or to Pasqua Lake and be there so that we could wake up at the at the lake on the morning of Good Friday. And so when we got up on Good Friday that morning, we had our breakfast, and as usual, the kids went out and started wandering around looking for things. There was always amazing stuff to be found there. On this episode, you'll hear the second story from my friend Kit that we recorded in her lovely backyard. This one, chronologically, follows her other story called Kids, Risk, and Kindness. So if you want to go in order, listen to that one first. But they serve as standalone stories, very different. I hope you enjoy the story. Here's Kit. So I have another very short story, if you okay. want to hear it. Yeah, for sure. Our friends have quieted down a little well, bit in the trees as the, well. So. The magpie was really insistent for a while. Exactly. He or she made me want to laugh. Um, so this is a short story. When my mom remarried, she and my dad bought a cottage close to Regina in the Fort Capel area on Pasco Lake in the beautiful, amazing Capel Valley. Such a beautiful place. So they bought this cottage on Pasco Lake, and it was um, uh, a cottage of Panabode construction, if that means anything to you. It's a solid cedar construction with tongue, kind of a tongue and groove. It reminded me of those wooden toys you had when you, those log cabin kits you, yeah. you could get as a kid. And it, it was on a pretty big chunk of land, probably about five acres, uh, which is a big space for a lakefront cabin. But because it was in the valley, there was a big hill behind the cabin and, and then some frontage, maybe a couple acres frontage between the cabin and the lake shore. And there was a little kind of gross beach. It was a Pasco Lake. Those lakes are all fairly shallow. And, and I think the fancy pants word is that they're eutrophic lakes, which is a nice way of saying they're warm and green and kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. But um, we loved it there. It was an exceptional place to, we've felt so fortunate to have the opportunity to go there. And, and our, um, our lake season with my mom and, and my stepdad, my dad, and, um, and my sister who lived in Regina and, you know, other people. Our lake season started at Easter and ended at Thanksgiving because it wasn't a well-winterized cabin. It was, it was solid cedar, but not fully comfortable for winter. Anyway, we um, would be out there with our kids uh, almost every Easter, almost every Thanksgiving, and then throughout the summer as well. And the story that I'd like to tell you today is about our Easter visit. One year when our kids were in still in school and, and uh, I think still in elementary school, after Al and I had finished teaching on uh, the Thursday, we'd pile in the car and drive to Fort Capella or to Pasqua Lake and be there so that we could wake up at the, at the lake on the morning of Good Friday. And so when we got up on Good Friday that morning, we had our breakfast and as usual, the kids went out and started wandering around looking for things. There was always amazing stuff to be found there. At one point, Marin was quite young, but she found pretty much the whole skeleton of a bison 
in the uh, on the lakeshore. She kept digging through the mud, and then wow. she'd pull out a skull, and she'd pull out more bones. And she was really into bones uh, for a couple of years. And she also found on the road cut that goes up to behind the cabin goes up to the the road where you would come in from the highway. She found a lot of processed bones, and so it was a habitation site. And this isn't entirely part of the story but anyway she, she as a kid she had this box of bones that she took to dr ernie walker at the university of oh, saskatchewan yeah. and she was i think eight and bless his heart he was so generous and so respectful she took her little treasure box of bones from pasqua lake to him and asked him about it and he explained what process bone looked like and what you know what what likely happened to that bison that you found probably got caught in the mud and died there and so you know he was just wonderful and wow. just treated her like such a smart person i really respect him enormously probably for that reason but in any case there were all kinds of habitation sites that kids love to explore they love to dig around on this one particular morning on good friday they went to the lake shore and if they they were surprised there was something on the beach. They didn't know what it was. They got closer, realized it was a beaver, and it was dead. And um, kind of rolling, you know how it happens when an animal is close to the shore and the waves are coming in. It was rolling a little bit back and forth. And as it rolled back, it, it rolled over, and they could see it had been shot. There was a gunshot out entry mark where the animal had been shot. And so they came back and told us, and we all the adults went out and... We all stood around with our arms crossed and stroking our chins and thinking, okay, what do we do with this an enormous beaver? Right, they're big. So the, the, um, the consensus decision was that the best thing to do would be to put it in a wheelbarrow and take it across the huge lawn behind the cottage up the road, which was quite steep, to uh, or, or the the road that comes from the main road down to the cottage, up that road to the main road, and I, I remember saying, "Let's we can just dump it in the ditch, and the coyotes will come and look after it. The magpies will look after it. We can we can just leave it there." So we did. It took a lot of a lot of uh, muscle to get it uh, in the wheelbarrow up the hill, and then we got to the top of the hill and we just dumped it into the ditch beside the road. And left it there and went about our business. And later in the day, we came and we walked by and we looked. And yeah, there it was. The beaver was there in this gravelly little ditch. And the next morning on Saturday, we went and looked. And there it was. And, you know, looking a little worse for wear. And um, later in the afternoon, we saw it. And then on, on Easter Sunday, we walked up the hill. I think we were looking for crocuses maybe but we walked up the hill to the road and lo and behold if the easter beaver wasn't there anymore <laughs> and we looked to exactly to where we had put it and we could see that all the stones had ro been rolled and there there something the beaver was gone the stones had rolled away and the beaver <laughs> was gone and so we were beside ourselves laughing about the Easter beaver um, killed on Good Friday and vanishing on Easter Sunday. And we laughed and laughed about it, but we were still curious about what had happened. Really, <laughs> what had happened to the beaver. And uh, 
a day or so later, one of the other um, neighbors came and said, oh, I took it to my burn pile because my dogs were bothering it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, that's a kind of resurrection, I guess. It is, yeah. <laughs> I guess. It's, it was more a pyre, uh, more of a Hindu burial than, than, than an actual resurrection. But anyway, we laugh and tell the story of the Easter beaver a lot. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this has been delightful. It's been really fun. I've got these alliterative titles that I'm trying to to add to each of the stories. Oh, yeah. That would be the resurrection rodent, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) That was quite something. Oh, we had good times out there. We had great, great times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's no longer in your possession? No. And they bought that probably when they were in their late 40s, the two of them. And... um, they looked after it. My dad was a farmer at heart. He was an engineer by profession. My stepdad, he was a farmer at heart. And he, it was, it was his great joy to go out there and putz around. And, um, I always accused him of, of deliberately riding over the sprinkler heads with the lawnmower because then he had to go and fix them. Right. You know, yeah. give him something to do. His shop out there was amazing. So he would go out there and he would work from literally from the after breakfast until the sun went down. He'd he'd be out there putzing, fixing things, working on the pool. It, it had so it was solar heated, so he always had to fix solar panels and do things like that. But when he was about eighty five, that started to get quite onerous. Right. <laughs> so they sold it at that time. But having a cottage is a real joy. A huge expense. Yeah. <laughs> if someone else is paying for it and looking after yeah. the maintenance, yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> we certainly did. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed Kit's recollections of their family time at the lake and the nearly miraculous occurrence one Easter. I enjoyed the story greatly and uh, was really pleased to be able to share it with you. Please do get in touch. Stories told by friends at gmail.com and by phone 306 665 3101, or as most people do, just text me if you don't have my number. Well, and finally, an overdue bit of credit to my son Tegan, who plays the guitar intro and outro on most of the episodes, and so he's a talented young man, but uh, he won't get any royalties. Just my love. Anyway, see you soon.